0: Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 20, the whole chapter. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. but he rested on the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord the Lord your God is giving you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance, while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honoured, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dress stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up to my altar on steps, or your private parts may be exposed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to be to
1: God. Thank you, Jonathan, for your invitation. Thank you, the small group at the back and the small group at the front, and to all of you who are with us this morning or whatever time of day it may be. Have you ever found yourself in danger? Have you ever found yourself in danger? If so, hopefully you weren't too scared while you were there and you weren't too scarred on your way out. If you haven't been or you can't remember being in danger, perhaps you can exercise your imagination. Imagine being on a school trip and losing your teacher and your classmates. Imagine being in the mountains, and you lose your map and compass, and there's no mobile phone reception, and the clouds come. You don't know where you are. Even if you had a map and a compass to show you the way out, you wouldn't be able to find it. possibly in the days when we could spectate at sporting events. You're in the away team colours and you find yourself separated from the other visiting supporters. Or for whatever reason, you're in an unknown town or city or even country. Wherever you are in your imagination, you're in danger. Last week in Exodus 17, the Israelites were... In danger they were faced by Amalek and the faces of the Amalekites were not friendly the Israelites were in danger of losing the battle and their life their collective life their individual lives was and were in imminent danger and in his sermon Jonathan taught us to seek God for how to face the battle seek God for how to face the the battle. And then we focused on the battle of prayer, which is both hard work and highly powerful. The Israelites are in the land in between. If maps help you, hopefully this map will help. They've left Egypt. They are in the desert. They're close to Mount Sinai, down at the bottom of the map, and they're on their way to the promised land. God is taking them from Egypt, out of slavery, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. And Exodus 20 details the commandments that God gave. You can reference them yourself if you have a Bible open at Exodus 20, and they're also as a backdrop in the church building here. Every one of us in life will find ourselves in places that are new and not only new but also different. Not only new and different but also dangerous. God gave his commandments to guard and to guide the Israelites in the desert. To guide them through the desert, to guide them in how they were to live during those 40 years, which could have taken a much shorter space of time. To prevent them from harming themselves and to prevent them from harming others. And in the same way that God's commandments were a gift. To the Israelites. They are a gift to us today. So we don't reject them. If we reject the gift, we reject the giver. In COVID days, it reminds all of us that we're in situations which are new, we're in situations which are different, and we're in situations which are dangerous. New, different, and dangerous. And those of us listening and watching who follow Jesus will all the more so face situations which are new, different, and dangerous. Why? Why is it more the case for us? It's more the case for those of us who follow Jesus because we're being taken on a journey. We're being taken away from sin slavery where we are under the penalty of sin. We're being taken through life on earth where Holy Spirit works in us on this journey, the Christian life, the pilgrimage that is our life on earth. Holy Spirit works in us to free us from the power of sin so that we can obey God's commandments and we'll see how Holy Spirit does that. And we're being led to heaven where we'll be free from the presence of sin. There will be no sin there. We will no longer need the commandments when we're in heaven. They're a gift. God's commandments are a gift that keep on giving. The New Testament refers to them. John the Baptist says in John 1 verse 17 that the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John the Baptist knew that Moses had an important role. Moses' role for the Israelites was to lead them out of Egypt, through the desert, through the wilderness and into the promised land. He led them there even though he didn't make it physically into the earthly promised land with them. Moses' role for us is to be a type of Jesus, a picture of Jesus, to show us God's plan to save world through Jesus. Just one example, at the beginning of Exodus, you can look at chapter 1 in your own time, we see that Moses was spared from being murdered along with all the other Israelite baby boys in Egypt, just as Jesus was spared from being murdered when he was a boy. And it's interesting to see to which country Jesus was taken for refuge when his life was in danger. If you don't know, have a look at Exodus chapter one. And if you do know, you can say it with me. The land was Egypt. The country which tried to annihilate the people group from which Jesus would come is the country which gave refuge to Jesus when he was a boy. Almost as if they're the first nation to know, to have a taste of the redemptive power of Jesus. God has a heart for every nation on earth. Not only a heart, but a redemptive purpose also. God has a redemptive purpose for the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. God has a redemptive purpose for the United States of America. Jonathan mentioned that nation earlier. God has a heart and a redemptive purpose. If you have a map of the world where you're watching, you can look on it. For Albania, for Armenia, for Algeria. For Afghanistan, I won't go through the whole alphabet, but there's no doubt nations that are on your heart. And if they're on your heart, they're on your heart because they're first on God's heart. You can even speak them aloud where you are. And I'll pause for a few seconds so you can. Wherever we are, wherever we're from, whatever nation or nations are on our hearts, people are the same. Whatever our age, our sex, our ethnicity, our our social status, our economic status, we all sin. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. But those of us who follow Jesus are saved sinners. We all have the same nature, and it's a sinful nature. That's why God gave us commandments. And not only personally, but nationally. Nations will be blessed if they follow God's commandments. Our nation has been blessed for that reason. And any nation which jettisons, we sometimes call it the Judeo-Christian worldview, based upon the law that we find in the Old Testament. Any nation which jettisons God's law does so at their own peril. James takes up Some of the commandments in chapter four. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. There's been, been no killing in our home, but there's lots of the other. You don't have because you do not ask God. And then he goes on in verses five and six. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he God jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're moving from the national to the personal. How can I know God's grace? How can I and how can we keep these commandments? The law revealed God's will for the behavior of his people, for us now, the church. And now we live not only not under that covenant of law, but under a new covenant. Jesus has fulfilled the covenant of law and has now ushered in the season of the covenant of grace and truth. If I'm humble enough to admit that I cannot keep God's law, then God gives me grace To meet the higher standard of grace grace is a higher standard than the law why do i say that take adultery under the old covenant under the law i had to commit adultery to be guilty of adultery and jesus teaches that under the new covenant i need simply only but sinfully to have lust in my heart to be guilty of adultery the same is true for murder and hatred. To be guilty of murder under the law, I had to commit murder, but under the new covenant, the covenant of grace and truth, if I have hatred in my heart, I'm guilty of murder. So by that definition, there probably has been murder in our home and in many. I don't have to look for long at these commandments before knowing that I break them, I'm guilty. And once I've broken them, I've broken them as Moses did. He came down from the mountain and because of what he saw in the people he was commissioned by God to lead, because of their sin, even while he was receiving the commandments, he smashed them on the ground. God is gracious and compassionate. Don Bush read for us earlier, that sins will visit three or four generations. And some people don't like that principle, but it's a principle of life, it's a principle of medicine, of genetics, it's a principle I'm sure many of us see it in many walks of life, in our own and in the lives of others, in personal lives and in professional lives. But love extends to a thousand generations. And just as God was gracious enough to rewrite on new tablets that he commanded Moses to select. God was gracious enough to rewrite the commandments on those tablets. He's gracious enough to forgive us. The forgiveness of sins, we declared it earlier in the words of the creed. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. As we read or listen to the commandments, and we'll watch a video shortly. Let's allow God, God the Holy Spirit, to firstly convict us of our unrighteousness. We can look at them and think, well, I'm not guilty of that one, I'm doing okay. But the whole purpose of the law is to show us that we cannot fulfill it. That's part of the purpose of the law. And after Holy Spirit, after we've allowed him to convict me, after I've allowed him to convict me and after we all have allowed him to convict us, of unrighteousness, then allow him to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. We're going to sing a hymn shortly. Great is thy faithfulness, Thomas Chisholm's well-known hymn, which has the line, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Rather than me going through all the commandments, this video does so better and using less time than I could do so. Just ask God to show you, as I'm asking him to show me, one, two or more, that I need to receive his grace in order to fulfill these commands. Let's watch this video. Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself old, but life has changed since I was young. But what hasn't changed is the relevance of these commandments. I don't know if you noticed the asterisk, but when we honor our father and mother, it's the first commandment many of us will know with a promise so that it may go well with us in the land that God is giving us. Maybe others were highlighted to you But that's what God highlighted to me, to honor my father and mother. Many people can honor them, but only I and my siblings can honor them as father and mother. Life has changed, situations are different. The things that I might not have done as a child, I might allow our children to do today because of circumstances, but the relevance of these commandments hasn't changed. Don't allow the accuser of God's family to condemn you rather let's ensure that we don't succumb to the death that comes from worldly sorrow but rather have a godly sorrow which brings repentance a change of heart which then causes a change of action and which leads us to salvation god used these commandments his commandments his gift to us to lead the Israelites through the unknown and dangerous in between land that was the wilderness. God himself, Holy Spirit, if we submit ourselves to him, will guide us through whatever unknowns and new and dangerous circumstances we face. The days are uncertain politically, and we fall short individually, but God restores He rewrites, he rewrites our stories and nothing is unknown to him. We sang earlier, grace and mercy are mine. Forgiven is my sin. We're going to sing, great is thy faithfulness, which has the same theme within it. Pardon for sin and a peace which endures.